This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 17. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, December 8th, 2021, as of the recording of this show. Holy smokes, we are into December already, Matthew. Of course, I've got Matthew Marister, co-host and uh, producer, and I am your host, Riley Bowman. Uh, We are fast approaching the end of the year, and we'll be in 2022. It's crazy. (laughs) And that also means an end of a season. So that'll be the conclusion of season four when we cross over into the new year. We'll begin season five. Very cool. Yeah. I know some listeners may still think it's weird what we've done with the whole season thing, but uh, I don't know. I'm finding I actually like it because it breaks it up. And uh, we no longer have to say episode 675 and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Which is kind of has its own, I guess it has its own cool factor. But, you know, uh, uh, Again, I still get messages from people that are like, "Hey, I just started listening to the to the podcast. Should I like should I go back to the beginning and listen to everything all the way from from the start?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, no." I mean, you could do that if you want. Like all 600 almost episodes now. Like knock yourself out. Uh, if you've got that kind of time, all right, cool. Like do it. Like and and, and message us when you do that and when you complete that cuz like that'll that's awesome. Uh, but I think it's just easier to be like, you know what, go back to the start of the season, start there. And then if you get more time, then go back to the season before that season three, and then go back to season two. And then if you're still bored, then you got 500 episodes in season one that Mm -hmm. you can go get caught up on. (laughs) And if, and if you don't hate us by then, then you've made it. That's, that's the gauntlet. (laughs) George Washington watching on YouTube asks, any updates for two-way battles across the country for the end of this year and the coming new year? Well, stay tuned for our legislative updates episode. Uh, when is that, Matthew? Next week? Uh, no. We, no, it's the it's the la- week, after, uh, maybe maybe. week after. Yeah. So we'll have some updates for you there. That, we, that's why we do one of those episodes each month. Um, that's just a better way for us to keep track of everything and highlight those issues in that episode guys today again or today is a news and reviews episode or industry news and gear reviews so today we bring to you some general news from around the industry and other general interest uh news stories to share with you and talk with you about and then uh towards the end of the episode matthew and i will each share a product that uh we will review uh i've got a product i've picked and matthew's got one that he's picked Mm-hmm. And you know, I just got done saying how there wasn't a lot of like uh, new product uh, news, but I just got an email from Springfield Armory talking about the new Saint Edge ATC, which stands for Accurized Tactical Chassis Rifle, which is kind of based around the AR platform. Actually, it pretty much is an AR pattern rifle, but with a very interesting looking. I'm going to call it stock, even though it's really a handguard, but. That is strange. That is really strange. You, guys, you can go look up the St. Edge ATC if it, if it tickles uh, you to do so. <laughs> mm-hmm. just thought that was funny. That just 
literally just now came through after I got done talking about how there hasn't been a lot of like new product uh, news. Uh, today, though, we got some stories uh, out of South Carolina. We've got an update for you from one we've covered in a, not not that many episodes ago, actually. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, some some snowflakes getting all upset about a couple of photographs that got put out there on social media, I think are kind of just interesting things to talk about. Uh, interesting story from Levi, Levi Strauss, that is, uh, makers of the famous blue jeans. Um, yeah, that, that one, that story kind of made me laugh a little bit. So we'll have some fun with, I think, some of these stories here today. But first, today's episode is sponsored by EDC Belt Company and their fabulous foundation belt, which is my belt of choice. You know, and everybody I've recommended the foundation belt to, Matthew, at least that I'm aware of, I have not recommended it to anybody and then had them come back and say, yeah, that belt's junk. Or that belt just didn't work for me. Um, Pretty much everybody I've introduced to the foundation belt comes back later and says, thank you so much for telling me about the foundation belt. It has changed my life. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if anybody's changed their life, but... (laughs) Well, it's a simple belt, right? Like, there's not much you, you can't like really knock it for for uh, for the fashion sense of it, right? It's simple, it's streamlined. You can it's not super tactical, it's not dressy. It's just it's just a belt, and uh, I think that's part of the appeal as well, as well as the comfort and the and the stability and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just well, just a belt. You're right, but here's what's really special about the foundation belt. Uh, and that is that it is, it uses variable stiffness levels throughout the belt. Mm-hmm. That would be one way of describing it. it. Basically, has three different stiffness levels in different locations of the belt, which allows you to tune it and use it in a way that suits you best, based on where you carry your gun and how you carry your gun and which holster and stuff you're using. That is something I haven't seen from other belt manufacturers, and that's why I think the foundation belt is awesome. All right, you've got one section that is the thickest, stiffest part of the belt. You've got a second second section that is a little less thick and stiff uh, than that first one. And, and it's actually like on the opposite side of the buckle. And then you got the very back of the belt that has no real reinforcement to it as far as it doesn't have extra stiff stiffening, you know, um, material inside of it. It's just, it's just belt material, just a nylon material. Now, why is that key? Well, first of all, our bodies are not shaped like circles. They're more like an oval or a bean shape. Even some of us that think we're quite round, we're still not perfectly round, right? So why why take a belt that is stiff uniformly throughout the belt, and that really means it wants to be a circle, and then try to stuff your oval or bean-shaped body into that circle? What it does is it, in, it, it actually increases discomfort or decreases comfort, however you want to say it. So the foundation belt solves that that problem by having a belt that is stiff where you need it and not where you don't. And that's the tagline I created to uh, advertise the foundation belt. I think it's awesome. You should check it out. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash foundation 
and pick up your own foundation belt today. Or pick up a second. Do You know, I've got three belts, Matthew. Three of the foundation belts. I've got a black one. I've got the desert sage color. And then I've got a um, olive drab color that uh, I don't think is really sold anymore. Um, and then they did, they've done some other limited runs. Like they did one that was special just for the Guardian Conference, which I missed out on. I did not get one of the red, white, blue ones. I need to like hit up Brian and be like, bro, can I still get one of those? <laughs> Anyway, guys, check them out. Also, Mount Mem Medical is our other sponsor today. Guys, that is our trauma kit of choice right there. Go check out the Mount Mem Medical uh, 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 Sweetwater Kit or the Yellowstone Kit, which is my favorite kit, or the Wind River Kit, which is another great kit. Okay, Wind River is actually great for uh, for keeping around in the vehicle. Uh, the uh, the sweet or the Yellowstone is awesome. But really, the Sweetwater and the Yellowstone are very similar in size. They use the same pouch, but there's just more stuff stuffed into the Yellowstone kit. Um, I, I recommend the Yellowstone kit with a cat tourniquet or a soft T-wide tourniquet, either or. They're both great tourniquets. Uh, that's what I uh, carry around with me pretty much everywhere I go. Uh, also, one thing that you'll notice if you go to the mountainmanmedical.com website, there is a section, if you will. Um, uh, uh, let's see. If you go under product categories and click on partner kits, that's where you'll find um, the kits that we have done together with other organizations and companies and, uh, and, and, celebrity types, if you will. Uh, we've got the active self-protection or John Korea's uh, range kit and ankle kit in that partner kits part of the store. We've got the American Warrior Society trauma kit. Uh, we've got the big ASP trauma kit, which is the big, it's, it's, uh, it uses the same pouch as the wind river kit that, uh, we, that Mountain medical cells that I just talked about a moment ago. There's a new kit on there called the Sheepdog Belt IFAC, which is kind of a, an interesting one as well. So, guys, check them out. You know, you can if you want to check out some of these partner kits or, or just get some of our uh, other base kits. And we have some others that are probably going to come and be added to the store here soon as well. So, kind of cool to see how that's how that's been growing at Mountain Man Medical. MountainmanMedical.com. Uh, it's good to have medical guys. You're, you're more likely to use that and need it than your gun that w- you, that we pretty much all carry every day concealed. That's why you're here on the Concealed Carry Podcast listening, right? So get a kit, all right? Let's get into our lead story. <clears throat> so a uh, couple weeks ago, we in our Justified Saves episode, uh, Matthew, we talked about this uh, South Carolina gun shop owner that had some kind of, it's been referred to as a prank, uh, which... I don't really understand, but, um, but here's the headline of this follow-up story. South Carolina gun shop owner charged for fatally shooting friend in face in alleged prank gone wrong. So the story is that basically you have this gun shop owner and apparently he brought in a Glock style BB gun and was going to use it, I guess, in some kind of prank, but somehow then also grabbed an actual Glock pistol that was loaded. And apparently when he was doing this prank, he shot his 
his employee and friend in the face mm-hmm. with the with the actual Glock, the real Glock. So yeah. it was a case of mistaken identity as far as like Glock BB gun or actual Glock, right? And grabs the wrong gun that happens to be loaded and shoots his friend in the face. Well, that gun store owner has been charged with involuntary manslaughter. So um, that's uh, that's life-changing. Chances are this dude's business and livelihood and all that are now done for. Yeah. Uh, All because of something very, very stupid and absolutely preventable. And there's just so much about this story that just doesn't even make sense, Matthew. Like, I mean, what do you, we talked about a little bit. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. You know, we kind of talked about this, but it doesn't make sense, right? uh, About the whole prank thing and not sure what he was going to be doing with, you know, shoot his buddy with a BB gun or I'm not exactly sure, but um, the prank part of it's weird. And then um, to follow up, like this guy accidentally grabs a Glock handgun that's, that's loaded, but you know, there's loaded guns in this gun store that he accidentally, it's, it's just, uh, it doesn't make sense. I think that that we're missing part of the story. And I think, I think maybe if, you know, this is covered at, at any extent, we might find out a little bit more about this. I'm, I'm not s- suggesting that this dude, you know, shot the guy on purpose or anything like that. I'm just saying, I think that there's something that we're missing because it doesn't seem to make sense. But, um, you know, I, we covered this on the Justified Saves uh, episode as a what not to do story. And I think that we can go back now. We know a little bit more that there was some sort of, you know, switching. He intended to switch to a, to an airsoft gun or a BB gun. And I don't think that that's, um, you know, I know not everybody who listens is an instructor, but I, I know many people probably, or they may have, maybe an airsoft gun that they train with. They do dry fire with their real gun. They may um, be switching between different types of, you know, I have a cert pistol, a laser pistol. uh, And so um, these types of issues, I mean, it is totally avoidable. um, But this is why we really need to be extremely careful when we're cross training with different types of um, training aids and, and different devices and things. Not to say that you know, that's uh, that, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell a, a, a BB gun from a, a real gun. But um, just to eliminate maybe somebody else coming in and dry firing, hey, you know, you're dry firing, let me try this. And um, so I think when we set up our dry fire area or whatever we're doing, we need to just make sure that we're also taking this type of um you know, lapse of, of concentration or, or, um, you know, setting ourselves up for a potential problem. Yeah. Um, you know, just, uh, as I was re rereading the story, cause I read this first, uh, a week or two ago, uh, whatever it was, uh, the additional details that came out were that, uh, the, the owner of the store, John Whiteley, Uh, admitted to deputies he brought his replica Glock BB gun into the shop and placed it on a shelf among other firearms as a prank. Investigators believe Whiteley intended to pick up the BB gun but grabbed a different firearm by mistake. Mm -hmm. So, grabs the wrong gun apparently from the shelf because that was obviously the intent was bring in replica 
Glock BB gun, put it on the shelf along all the other guns, and then grab the wrong one that was the actual live gun, but that one sitting on the store shelf loaded. Loaded, yeah. See that? Just so many weird things here, dude. Um, everything you said, ditto to all that. Um, firearm safety isn't disregarded just because we work in a gun shop, folks. Uh, that's one of the places that absolutely drives me insane. I go, I mean, like, I understand it's difficult being in this environment where you have all this product on display, all these guns, and people want to see them. They want to hold them. I mean, that's what they're there for. They want to see the wares so they can buy the wares. And like, that's, that's a challenging thing to do. I think there's ways that we can model safe gun handling, even in that environment. And if you're a gun store owner, FFL, whatever, I'd encourage you to figure that out. Okay. And don't be afraid to talk to those that come into your shop about how safety should be handled and done in, in your shop. Okay. And then, and then make sure you hold yourself and your, anybody that works for you to the same standards. I've always been super careful when I go in to a gun store and, and, you know, Hey, can I look at this, whatever gun here? Yeah, sure. And they hand it to me and they're all like pointing at, pointing it at me while they do so. And I've actually stepped out of the way or even put my hand out and like guided the muzzle elsewhere and that kind of thing. And then whenever I, you know, handle the gun myself or maybe I, do a sight picture with it or whatever. I always do it not at somebody. <laughs> uh, and, and, and as best as I can determine in a safe direction, that might be at the floor. Okay. Uh, or up at the ceiling or whatever, you know? So anyway, just some things to think about there. Gun safety doesn't go out the window just because we work in a gun shop. It's very easy to become complacent working in an environment like that. Absolutely. Let's move on. We've got other great stories here. Um, the one that we kind of took the the title of this episode from uh, about the uh, the myth of the murderer you know. Okay, uh, what does that mean exactly? So, there's a, a fascinating article on Amoland.com titled "Update on the Misleading Murderer You Know Lie: Latest Data," written by Dean Weingarten, who we, whom we have uh, featured a number of his articles in the past. Most famously, probably his articles regarding how standard handguns have fared against uh, bears in defense, which his uh, research on that is just absolutely mind-blowing to me, okay, in terms (laughs) of the actual success percentages, success rates of things as simple as a 9-millimeter pistol, even sometimes 22s, and just how, and I'm not advocating we should be carrying 22s in the woods for bear defense, but it's just really, really interesting stuff. Well, here he, he comes to us with another really interesting article that here, here's the premise of the article. And Matthew, I'll kind of hand it off to you. You can maybe break down some of the numbers or whatever you'd like to do with it here. But, but, but just to kind of set this up a little bit, what do, we, what do we mean by the murderer you know lie or myth? Um, this comes from the statement that a lot of, am I, I've, I've seen this said, I've heard it said, uh, I've debated with people about these sorts of things before, and it's a common thing uh, that we see in the media and something that the anti-gun crowd uses to promote gun control because, the, you know, the, the, they feel that it's going to uh, result in all of these uh murders, you know, through domestic incidents and various things. And so what that statement is, quote, 
Most victims are murdered by people they know, end quote. And so the statistics here that Dean breaks down basically prove that to not be true, or at least certainly not true in in the extent that most victims are murdered by somebody they know, because the numbers just simply don't bear that. Now, it is not insignificant, the numbers of people that are killed by people that, that they know. Okay. That it's still a high, you know, like that's, it's still a, a substantial percentage, but it is not as it's not most people are killed by people they know. Okay. Most crimes are not necessarily crimes of passion, in other words, or that sort of thing. So Matthew, uh, what do you want to highlight here? I mean, do you have a sense for the numbers? You want to break that down for us? Yeah. So um, now there's some, I'm not going to get totally into all the detail of the the article because you, you, I probably lose you. Um, but he, here's here's the big picture of the numbers that uh, are in this uh, this article. Uh, they're taken from the 2019 crime report, uh, FBI crime report, and uh, about 49 percent of the uh, murders, the victim and the suspect, the relationship is unknown. 49 percent. So, um, and in the article makes a makes a point to say many of these may later be solved right at the time that they file um, these, these numbers are filed to the FBI or the FBI gathers this data. Um, some of these cases might be ongoing investigations and whatnot. Um, but then they take that 49% and they say, you know, what's the average clearance rate of murders? Uh, uh, in other words, what's the rate of uh, these unknown relationships that potentially would be solved um, later on, right? And so it further kind of um, sorts out this number. Um, but overall, 49% of the uh, relationships are unknown. Stranger, uh, known strangers are 10%. Acquaintances are 20%. And then we get immediate family member, which is 11%. And after that, it's it, it breaks down there like 1% and 2%, so not significant. Um, but so if we look at it and, you know, we look at, 49% are unknown. Um, and, you know, only I believe uh, what he, what in the, in the article, what he kind of uh, says is that um, it's probably, um, uh, let me see the, I think it was, he broke it down in maybe 15% or something. I correct me if I'm wrong, Riley, um, maybe 15% of that unknown are solved and not, um, unknown people like they are solved and that relationship is found out and that they are a close acquaintance. I think it's 10 or 15%. I can't remember the exact number, but it's a very small portion of that 49%. So you look at that and you say, maybe it's, you know, 40%, maybe 30% at the, at the low end strangers, you get 10% and acquaintances, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of throwing acquaintances in as, you know, the person that, you know, so you might not even be able to, uh, you know, defend against this person because, you know, acquaintances are 20% make up 20% of this relationship, but acquaintances could be anything. It could be somebody that, you know, you worked with a long time ago. It could be somebody down the street. It could be somebody that you knew from a long time ago. So it's a broad category and to assume or to imply that, because the people that 
are, you know, the, the suspect that might uh, come to murder you is, is someone who is an acquaintance. This so therefore you can't defend against that is kind of is kind of silly, right? It, it's it doesn't uh, it's not based in reality. Um, and we see multiple times that these acquaintance murders, maybe past lovers or or whatever relationships, um, people are defending against these ex people, uh, people that they've had problems with in the past um, are defending them against uh, an attack with a firearm to defend themselves, whether shots are fired or not. And so there's a, a large number of this. So I guess in gen- it, the, the thrust of the article was just to say, when people try to push this idea that like the murderer, um, you're likely to be killed by, you know, somebody that you know. So therefore self-defense isn't really an option because, you know, um, it's somebody, you know, and you can't defend against it is not actually statistically proven. And it's not, it's not factual. It doesn't factually pan out that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a section here I actually kind of want to quote from Dean's article just because I think it's uh, it's it's easier to just quote from it than to try to uh, summarize what he says here. But I think some of the points here are, are pretty uh, key. Um, it, one, According to one gun control organization, um, they tried to claim falsely that 80% of murderers are known to their victims. And quoting from Dean directly here, it says, a more realistic appraisal is unknown, stranger, and acquaintance categories make up 79% of murderers. Of the remaining 21%, a large number are ex-spouses, ex-boyfriends, girlfriends, and estranged family and friends. The numbers of exes and estranged are not reported. A great many domestic homicides occur between ex-spouses, ex-boyfriends, girlfriends, and estranged others. It is likely the number of people who murder someone living with them when determined will be less than 10% of the total. More and more people are effectively defending themselves against people they know who have become deadly enemies. Just because you know someone doesn't mean you cannot defend against them. Legal measures such as restraining orders make a self-defense claim clearer to police, prosecutors, and courts. This correspondent refers to these as cases of domestic defense. That's that's Dean's term for it. He says this correspondent. Uh, Yeah, and so then the bottom line is that this is, this is how he concludes his article. Firearms are effectively used for self-defense when confronting attackers, both known and unknown. Don't fall for the anti-propaganda war hide the truth. Um, so pretty interesting take here. Mm-hmm. One other thing to note that uh, uh, I don't know if you hit on this super directly or not, but one of the reasons why there's an unknown category of 49% is because of the nature of how these numbers are reported to the FBI. Uh, so a lot of times these numbers are, are, are filed with the FBI's uniform crime reports before an investigation is complete. So uh, that's why, that's why, you know, there's a 49% unknown uh, category there. So, which I suspect that, what, what that means is that simply the other categories, particularly the stranger, an acquaintance, and also the more intimate categories likely in all increase, some probably more than others even, because 
probably the unknown category I think would be a little bit more biased a lot of times to some of the strangers. Sure. Um, Cause again, that's the nature of strange of strangers. Like you don't know who these, who the people are and what their association is. And it's harder to track down, you know, who had a motive to kill somebody. Um, and I also suspect, you know, that there's a lot of murders in this country where the, person that committed the act is unknown because of gang activity and makes it difficult, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that happens on the streets that doesn't come to light uh, uh, very clearly a lot of times. So anyway, interesting article. And the point again, being that uh, the statement that most victims are murdered by people they know. Yeah, probably not a true statement. So just watch for that. And now we've got some some pretty interesting data that can be used to help refute some of those silly statements. And regardless of if they know us or not, self-defense is self-defense, right? Moving on to, the, to shootingillustrated.com. November monthly gun sales, third highest on record. Matthew, give us the skinny on this one. Yeah, so uh, the number of firearms sold in the, across the United States in November that resulted in FBI National Instant Criminal Check um, was the third highest uh, record for the month. And this is from uh, the NRA Shooting Illustrated.com. Um, the number total transfers came in roughly at 1.7 million. And now this is a drop, uh, the article says, of 22% when compared to 2020's volume for the same 30-day reporting period. Obviously, you know, last year was an incredibly um, strange outlier for, for many, many things. But um, this is obviously the third, uh, the third largest. So still, even considering that, that high, even if it was a, an outlier, an anomaly last year, um, this is still continuing. Um, it says a significant portion of the volume came on Black Friday when the FBI ran 187,000 plus FBI NICS checks. Uh, November, it, that figure placed November 26th and 10th place for the number of background checks in a 24 hour period. It's like, that's a ton of background checks in 24 hours. Oh, yeah. um, now, obviously, all these aren't gun sales, right? Some of them may be multiple gun sales. Maybe some of them are not. Um, but it's a good, you know, this this number, they kind of run and say, you know, how, how strong are gun sales um, going? And obviously, you know, th those numbers are kept by, um, you know, manufacturers and things like that. I think manufacturers are doing fine as far as gun sales. Um the numbers would, would, would back that up, but, uh, it, it is kind of crazy, um, that it's continuing to go on. And, it, you know, I don't know about you, but just black Friday seemed kind of like, I was kind of shocked at this actually, to say the truth, because um, black Friday seemed kind of like a letdown. I didn't see as many, uh, great sales and things mm -hmm. across, across wide, um, different industries, but mm -hmm. apparently, you know, that didn't slow down gun buyers. Maybe they're, you know, using that, uh, stimulus check to go buy firearms i don't know yeah you know i mean i i saw some deals around black friday but uh it it may have been a little bit uh depressed over years past um and i think we're seeing a couple of things i think that that we're seeing some supply chain challenges i think that there's probably some 
gun products, gun SKUs, okay, that uh, are, uh, I, I think there's not as many out there to buy potentially as what there was a year ago because of some supply chain related uh, issues, some shortages of some components and things. Uh, at least that's my, from what I've observed that I think that that, that, that looks like to be a bit of a problem, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I also think that we're seeing some inflation related issues. Um, so that, uh, we may not have seen maybe some as aggressive deals this year as maybe years past, um, that I think could be inflation related, uh, potentially. Um, and again, just if there's not as much supply, like I just mentioned, then you you can't offer quite as aggressive deals as you did before because, hey, supply demand, it it is an actual relationship, an economical one. So, um, but yeah, like still a timing third biggest for the month of November and November is historically a very, very high volume month uh, because of the holiday season, because of Black Friday firearm sales deals uh, that has been a thing for, for a good while, you know, a good number of years now. And so, uh, to see this, yeah, uh, 2020 just eclipsed everything by such a margin. When they say it was a 22% decline from a year ago, uh, last year eclipsed a lot of records by a long, long ways. I mean, we talked about that last year and, and, you know, we saw such a huge influx of first-time gun buyers come into the marketplace. Uh, nothing that we've ever quite seen to that extent before. So that that certainly all played a role. I think a lot of that was uh, more driven by the times than than anything. Yeah, the whole uh, COVID situation, the, the riots in cities and all of that that took place last year, I think really drove a lot of people to uh to buy buy guns and buy their first guns and i think some of that's carried over into this year but but certainly not to the extent of what we had last year because i think everything was a lot more severe in terms of the the riots and the likely associated uh perceived uh you know dangers that i think people were were um reading into their own personal uh, situations and circumstances. So anyway, yeah, big month. And I suspect Denver will be another big month as well that it it typically historically is. Uh, so let's move on to a story. This, This one I found somewhat comical. I, I, I tend to get a bit of a laugh sometimes from the from the Europeans, <laughs> um, meaning that this this article is from the Guardian, which is a UK. Uh, uh, oh no, I read it, and now that apparently I refreshed my browser at some point, and now it says you'll need to register to keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> How many pounds uh, do they want? It, it's covered up the article here to some extent, but this was an article on theguardian.com titled Massey's Gun Collection, They Shouldn't Be in the Hands of Civilians. This is referencing uh, uh, Kentucky Republican Congressman Thomas Massey and his family that recently posted a uh, uh, 
I'm going to go ahead and register for free. Apparently, that's all I got to do is click a button or two here. So uh, Thomas Massey and his family posed for their holiday uh, uh, picture that they they do each year. They put together a card that they send out uh, to their friends and family, like many people do. And apparently, they caught some heat for this photo here we go i finally got through the registration there now i can read the article again and so th- I-, I love this photo by the way in fact for those of you joining with us live on facebook and youtube i guess i just have to share the screen so you can enjoy this as well so we got this photo from uh congressman tom thomas massey and if i can zoom in there there we go now you can see a little bit better so here's his lovely family i mean really seriously look they're happy they're smiling, uh, nice-looking family there, standing, standing and seated in front of their Christmas tree, in in their home presumably, and uh, you know we got a variety of firearms here. I mean, at least a couple of AR pattern rifles here on the right. Looks like an FA. Well, not an FAL, but FAL inspired certainly there. Uh, kind of hard to make out that one a little bit. We got an M60. <laughs> <laughs> machine gun that representative Massey is holding in his lap there, which I think is just awesome. Um, which by the way, could be completely demilitarized. Uh, it could even be a semi-automatic, although it also could be a full automatic version because certainly these have existed since before 1986 and it wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibilities that uh, he could have gone through the proper channels of, uh, of getting a tax stamp for that, um, which would be cool because those things are expensive and M60s mm-hmm. are just cool. Yeah. Uh, we've got an Uzi, it looks like, and then a Thompson submachine gun. But likely a lot of these are semi-automatic versions of their fully automatic cousins. So that's the photo that was posted. And then according to the article, and this is what makes me crack up because this is written for a British publication, right? And they quote from one Philip Ingram, a former British military intelligence officer who told the Guardian, there is no way in a modern society these weapons should be in the hands outside of law enforcement or the military. They are designed for one purpose, to kill people. Well, you know, if the purpose is to uh, have a free society that can uh, retain and maintain control over its government, right? Uh, to form militias if so desired and things of that nature. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. You know, they are designed to kill people and things, but there's a reason why we Americans have this power. And the reason why we had this Second Amendment. Uh, it's ironic that you have a British military officer saying that, you know, making this statement like this, but it's because we had the right to bear arms in 1776 mm-hmm. <laughs> that led to us declaring independence from Britain and then carrying through on that through the Revolutionary War. That would not have happened had we had our weapons taken away from us, which the Brits were trying to do so, yeah. if you'll recall. They Just had a their bit chance. Of irony there. They had their chance, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So I got a good chuckle, chuckle out of reading this article. Man. Yeah. I, I, you know, what, what struck me and I, you know, we we're talking to, to people that probably are pro second amendment. I, I would imagine, but he, here's what got me going. The first like sentence of the, of the article says it's the Christmas card that sent shockwaves across the world and provided a chilling reminder of the size and type of weapons that are perfectly legal to own and carry in large parts of the U- U.S. So this this picture wasn't sent like it it, it was posted online um, and it sent shock like this is what sending shockwaves across the world it literally like the people that a, a senator who's Supposedly, you know, with all we know, following all laws, got the got the firearms legally, possesses them legally, providing, you know, showing safe gun handling in the photos and all this stuff. Yeah. Never done anything wrong. He's a he's a law abiding citizen. All his family appears to be. They haven't, you know, I I don't know that they've been in prison for anything, right? Like, so all we're just looking at a picture of people that have done nothing wrong are following the laws of the land. And haven't hurt anybody. And like, this is what's sending shock. I mean, if this is what's sending shockwaves across the the globe, I mean, we have it pretty good, right? Like, there's not people being, you know, you know, murdered and genocide all across the globe and starvation. And I mean, this this is this is silly that that this has been blown up into such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like. I, I read there was a there was a kind of a, a comment or a response that uh, the congressman made in response to this all the outrage and he was like look we took a picture and we took a picture like this with firearms because we like to shoot and stuff but we also play music and we took a similar picture um, with musical instruments and that's the card that we're going to send out to people. But we thought that this was a funny picture and a nice picture. And we, I put it on there and I, you know, and like, I'm not concerned, like I'm not with withdrawing it or, or concerned. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's silly to me. I mean, if you want to have, this is why the gun argument sometimes baffles me that, you know, there's, there's laws, right. And this guy is following all the laws that people say, well, if we had more laws and this and that, okay, we have laws, they're following the laws and you're still outraged just at a picture. And so for me, it's just like, it, it will never stop. People are just offended by the mere presence of a firearm. And they're it, offended. They're offended by freedom. Yeah. that That's what it Seriously. is. Yeah. I like get the core of it. Like a free people are these people holding whatever guns they want to in this photo and doing so with smiles on their faces with appropriate safety measures in place, following safety rules, guns pointed in safe directions, fingers off the trigger, all of that, right? Um, Those that are offended are offended by freedom. Now, now the big uproar though, more recently was that he posted this a few days after the, the uh, terrible. Okay. It was a terrible, uh, uh, high school shooting in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people criticized him for his ins- insensitivity for posting mm-hmm. his photo of his family holding guns a few days after this school shooting. All right. Even some fellow Republican, uh, I don't, it didn't specify whether it was senators or, or uh, house representatives members, but 
uh, but you know, some of his own party criticized him for insensitivity. You know what? Maybe I should go look up who these people are because come on, like really? Like this is a fellow member of your party. Okay. And we, we got to have our own infighting and bickering within our, within members of our own party. Okay. And by the way, I'm not saying our, like as in me and not necessarily including me in that. We, we try to walk a, a nonpartisan line on this podcast. Uh, couldn't care less. Okay. I'm just simply saying that like th- this level of de- divisiveness is what I, th- I, th- I find so interesting and also frustrating in our country is that we got to divide amongst ourselves on every little issue. Okay. Even within parties. Okay. And we see it on the other side as well, but we don't typically talk about those issues quite as often uh, because, uh, uh, well, they're not usually fighting about about guns, at least in, in the way we're talking about it right now. They, they're fighting maybe about, you know, against or for gun control, perhaps. Sure. But I just find this interesting. Um, is this insensitive for him to have posted this photo a few days after the Michigan high school shooting? Um, I don't know. Let us know if you think think so, or if you think not, hit us up. Send us an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcast at concealedcarry.com. Um, I I kind of think it's not that insensitive. I'm sorry. All right, because number one, there's not even any relationship between any of the guns they're holding and the gun that was used in that shooting. So you can't draw a line that way. Um. Uh, they're, they didn't say anything that was inappropriate uh, associated with this this photo. They simply said, Merry Christmas, P.S. Santa, please bring ammo, which is a humorous take on the current state of things because ammo is so hard to come by these days. By the way, Matthew, the uh, in the related article on the Courier-Journal, Congressman Thomas Massey, I'll never delete family Christmas card photo with guns is the title of that article. And actually, it's in this article that they talk about, they actually took the, the photo with the musical instruments first, and then they said, oh, wouldn't it be fun to hold our guns instead? So they are a very musical family. In fact, I, I remember coming across a YouTube video a few years back of the Massey family doing, you know, some music together. Like they're very, very talented. They're they're a very nice family, from as far as I can tell. Uh, and then they, they decided to have just some fun with some guns in a positive way. I think. Okay. Um, keep in mind that this these are folks that are possessing those guns in a freedom oriented self defense type manner. Okay, I think that's a positive message that I think actually, you know, I know that there was a shooting just this last week and, and, and young, young high school age students were killed uh, and that's terrible um, and others were wounded, but uh, that's a totally, I don't even see how, I don't see any relevance here. And I think that if more Americans were able to defend themselves, um, we'd see less of that type of thing occurring. So to me, that's the positivity that exists in a message like this. Nothing, not, not insensitivity, not laughing in the face of victims, but showing in a positive light, a family that possesses guns legally and is capable of using them in defense and refusing to be victims. 
that's a positive message. And that's what I'm going to take away from this. Moving on to, yeah. what's that? <laughs> I was going to say that slides right into our next story. <laughs> yeah. Yahoo news.com Yahoo, or Yahoo, not Yahoo.com. Uh, Colorado Sheriff's Office said it didn't intend to be insensitive after it tweeted a photo of Santa getting a concealed carry permit. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, so this hap- actually happened in El Paso County, which is uh, the, the county seat is Colorado Springs. So that's like an hour and a half south of me. Uh, so this is close to home. And again, this is a photo I found quite humorous. The photo is of a man dressed as Santa getting a concealed handgun permit at the El Paso County Sheriff's office. They took it. They thought it was humorous. It doesn't look like this was staged. This looks like a dude literally walked into yeah. the sheriff's office <laughs> to apply for his permit, looking like Santa Claus, just as for kicks and giggles, or maybe that's how he always dresses. I don't know. But from what I found it, it you know, looking into the story, I don't think this was staged. It just happened to work out this way. They thought it was funny took the picture and posted it up. And you know, what did they say along with the tweet? Guess who came in to receive his concealed handgun permit today? And then a Santa Claus emoji. And then they just included a little statistic. Did you know El Paso County Sheriff's office has issued 49,750,000 uh, or 49,750 concealed handgun permits with another 2,560 awaiting to be issued. That's it. And people lost their freaking lunch. <laughs> over this again this was posted like a a day or two after the oxford high school shooting in michigan actually just three days after that shooting and people were like insensitive again it's a dude getting his concealed handgun permit yeah Yeah, the awkward silence is um because I'm at a loss for words. Like I don't understand the relationship whatsoever. Matthew, your take. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just going to reiterate for anybody who has any sort of, you know, you're just flipping this on and uh, nobody, nobody is um, I, I, I'm speaking for you, Riley, I'm sure. And myself is included. And probably every single person who has a rational mind, who's listening to this, nobody is condoning what happened uh, at that high school, the shooting. Nobody is trying to uh, downplay any tragedy that, 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 you know, occurred there, but to link every single thing that's related to some sort of firearm. And this is only related. There's not a firearm in the picture. It's just related to a concealed carry license um, is, is it's very, it's almost disingenuous and, and it's hard to really understand if that person's really outraged about what happened at the, at, at the high school or really just wants to be able to use this to, a, a, as a tool to um, kind of beat people over the head that, that, you know, might, might want a firearm or, or have a firearm or whatever, or, or, or look, think differently about firearms. Um, th- I mean, this is ridiculous. It's, you know, it, it's funny because how quickly do we forget that the person who intervened that stopped a potential mass shooting and gave his life, by the way, um, had a concealed carry license, right. And was shot by uh, the, the Arvada, uh, shooting, right. He potentially stopped a mass shooting. Um, and he was a concealed carry license holder. So to characterize anybody who's going 
again, through the legal process of getting a firearm, a, a concealed handgun license permit, so they can defend themselves and potentially hundreds of other people and, and tying it in, 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 you know, disingenuously to a tragic event that happened days in the past. Um, I, I, I just, I don't see that as, as, um, as, you know, a, a good thing. And, you know, so the, the sheriff's department of course has to issue a, a public announcement or public statement. And it says the EPSO, um, El Paso County Sheriff's office intended to highlight our staff in the concealed handgun permit office, not to be insensitive. Santa correlates to the month of December, and we thought it would help to recognize our hardworking staff. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that that's legitimate. And again, if you think that the, the sheriff's office was way out of line by posting a picture of Santa Claus getting a concealed handgun license, um, then, you know, let us know and tell me where I'm wrong and, and I'm happy to listen. But um, I just I, I, I see this as seeking to be offended by something so that you can pursue a specific agenda. And I just, I I don't, I don't see that here. Yep. Yep. People stop being so dang or so dang sensitive. (laughs) There you go. I was going to say insensitive, but that wouldn't have made sense. Uh, So speaking of sensitivity, Levi Strauss offers employees a session with a racial trauma specialist over the Kyle Rittenhouse acquittal. This according to foxbusiness.com. They reported how Levi Strauss and company reached out to its U.S. employees offering individual counseling and promoting a forthcoming session with a racial trauma specialist to help promote safety, sharing, and to encourage healing. Following the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse, the company confirmed uh, (laughs) their chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer sent an email following the verdict that began with the news that Kyle Rittenhouse was not convicted in the shooting of three individuals, two of whom lost their lives during racial justice protests last year. This is a difficult day for many. The pain and trauma of race identity and belief-based tragedies is a reality that many of us are struggling with on an ongoing basis. The message continued on to help promote safety sharing and to encourage healing. I'll be hosting a fireside chat and Q and a with Dr. Jamila Codrington, a licensed psychologist and racial trauma specialist in early December. We will talk about the mental and psychological impacts of back-to-back social and racial justice events and trauma coping mechanisms during our discussion. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. Is, Is Levi Strauss based in Kenosha, Wisconsin? <laughs> they're not. I, I I know they're not. Uh, I just find this incredibly humorous that people somewhere else entirely can get so upset and worked up over this Kyle, whole Kyle Rittenhouse deal and the acquittal associated with that, that a company should feel obligated to send out an email message saying, we know that you're probably struggling we're going to offer some opportunities for some psychological support and counseling to deal with it. Wow. Um, okay. Do I say moving on or like, yeah, I, I, I have nothing. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think that's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could 
my my mind is so just like I, I can't even follow the the thought process of this. Uh, obviously, there are people that believe that this is that was highly um, traumatizing. Just the 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 outcome that they didn't get the justice that they wanted or the outcome that they wanted, and so therefore they need to be counseled or uh, have some sort of help at their at their work and great for Levi Strauss for being sensitive enough to uh, provide that where other employers aren't as virtuous, I guess. So congratulations, Levi Strauss, you guys. You I, I got to say out. like, they, they, yeah, as a company, they get props for supporting their, their employees. Yeah. I just think that they <laughs> probably are, are looking for the wrong opportunities to support their employees. There's probably other more beneficial ways they could support their employees. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just crazy to me. Like, like what, what, what world is this? It's weird. Like, yeah, whatever. All right. White dude shot three white dudes and somehow this is a racial problem and people need counseling. Yeah. All right. Enough about that. Moving on. Final story. We need to start wrapping it up here. We got, we still have our reviews to do. Um, Victory. Maglula defeats Amazon and counterfeit claims. This is on the fireandblog.com. Uh, so this has been talked about. In fact, I think we talked about it once before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I know this is an issue that we have even dealt with to some extent uh, ourselves as a company on Amazon. Uh, just, just running into various, I don't know, there's interesting... I mean, for instance, if we found a product of ours on Amazon's site that was a copy, an unauthorized copy, a counterfeit, whatever. If we tried to get that removed from Amazon site, it's virtually impossible. That could be changing now because of this major court case win for Maglula, which is a company based in Israel, believe it or not. Although they have uh, U.S.-based offices as well. Uh, They defeated Amazon in this counterfeit claim. What it was was that there was all these Maglula Uplula products on Amazon that were counterfeit, that were being sold. This obviously hurts the originator and creator and manufacturer of those products, Maglula. Uh, they, they tried to get Amazon to take those listings down, those known counterfeit ones down. Amazon did not work with them on that. It was also discovered throughout this, uh, this case that uh, Amazon knowingly destroyed evidence after Maglula filed its complaint in, in U.S. federal court. Um, so, but the result of this is, according to Judge O'Grady in this federal court case, that uh, an order was granted to a couple of things here. They are not allowed to, uh, uh, to sell counterfeit items to knowingly do so. They are also required to allow Amazon's warehouses to be inspected for counterfeit goods. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is ostensibly a first of its kind in an IP case against Amazon. That is fascinating. And it opens up a door for a lot of other companies in similar boats. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't like getting in the way of businesses being able to operate as they want to, as they choose to. I mean, as a small business ourselves here that we, that we operate. Um, yeah. I don't like the government telling me what I can and can't do. Right. At the same time, like I, I can kind of understand this and, and I can kind of see how this, I mean, like 
I think this benefits everybody else in the long run. Like nobody likes counterfeit products. It doesn't serve the end user well because they get a counterfeit that likely is lower quality and breaks or falls apart or whatever. And the money just goes into the hands of, of basically thieves, right? And then it, it obviously doesn't benefit the the trademark or or patent owner of the product that's being counterfeited because it's taking away from them. So I think this is a big win and it'll be interesting to see how far this goes. It'll also be interesting to see if this is something that they try to appeal, that Amazon tries to appeal. Uh, No word yet on whether they will try to do that, but they certainly could. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just add in um, one thing that I thought was kind of, Surprising was that they found uh, that Amazon destroyed evidence after Maglula filed its complaint. Now, it doesn't say what that evidence that they destroyed, whether it was documents, whether it was, you know, uh, you know, um, product or whatever it was. But um, that's pretty I mean, (laughs) so that in and of itself should raise a red flag to say like that's a consciousness of guilt right if if somebody files a complaint against your company and then you start doing something and saying oh well just you know we we're, we're above board and just dismiss the case these guys have no standing or whatever and at the same time you're kind of trying to hide what you've done that's a consciousness of guilt and i think that that's kind of not uh not cool and who knows what other kind of stuff is uh was going on but this may change a lot of a lot of what we find on Amazon potentially, right? Because a lot of it we know is is got to be counterfeit. Yep. Absolutely. Well, that's the last of our news articles today. So that brings us to our review portion of the show. Um, I guess I will go first. I think you went first last time. So what I'm going to review today is actually uh, a recent product that we included in our. Guardian Nation members quarterly box, which is the Decibels custom molded earplugs. And specifically, we sent out the Pro Pack, which includes the standard Decibels earplugs that you custom mold to to your ear. But it comes with some other goodies in a nice little case here. Uh, You get a lanyard to put them around your neck so you can keep track of them a little bit easier, which I thought was a nice little touch. I'm not planning on necessarily using that because I found also lanyards sometimes get snagged when I'm at the range and pull my earplugs out when I don't want them to. So, um, But some people like the lanyard, so that's awesome. I I think it's a nice little bonus. Uh, So the Decibels custom molded earplugs come with several ear tip inserts for various sizes to work with. I know it's kind of hard to see in the camera, but you got large, small, and medium, basically, of the silicone ones that give you like an NRR rating of 24, 26, somewhere in that ballpark. I forget exactly which. But then there's also some foam, mold, like, you know, the, the, the foam ear tips that you see in a lot of other ear protection that you kind of compress your fingertip and stick it in your ear, and then it fills your ear void and per- you know, creates a very, very, very tight seal. So there's some of those included as well. And that's how you, if you want to get the highest rating of uh, 31 for the for the noise reduction rating, you have to use the full decibels product together with the foam ear tips. Okay, if that makes sense. So it's nice all of that's included and you have various options. For me, my intended use for these decibels earplugs is actually as as a secondary ear pro underneath my over the ear 
uh, protection. And because I, I plan to use these uh, primarily when I'm going to uh, matches and competing at matches. So I like to have my ear pro doubled up. Okay. And you'll see how that just fits. I put it in my ear and it just fits nicely in there because it's custom molded to my ear. And I'm not going to put the other one in because then I wouldn't be able to even hear myself talk. Uh, but uh, uh, but I intend to use these as doubled up ear protection for uh, when I'm shooting competitively. I like to have doubled up ear pro because if something happens in a shooting stage and my outer ear protection gets knocked off, then I've got backup ear protection underneath. Okay, so that way I don't have to deal with that issue because that that has happened to me where I had my ear protection come loose or get knocked off in the middle of a stage. And, uh, you know, I actually in one case finished shooting the stage. I only had like a couple shots left without ear pro. Not the smartest choice. Uh, I could have had the option of stopping myself and asking for a reshoot, which is actually permissible under most uh, shooting organizations rules since my ear protection became dislodged. Uh, but at the time I was just going too quickly and didn't even realize for a second there that what had happened. And before I knew it, it was done and over with. Uh, so since then I have, uh, always had doubled up ear protection. Uh, so the, so I'm actually just using the silicone ear tips because with a think again, I think they're 24 or 26 NRR with the silicone ones, which is pretty good. Okay, and, and certainly adequate for like outdoor range use, uh, but combined with my over-the-ear, uh, my Roger 22s from Ready Up Gear, they are a great combination. I have really, really excellent hearing protection that way. And then I also like using these doubled up again for indoor sh- range shooting use as well, because I really, and I'll, I'll go ahead and swap out the silicone tips with the foam ones so I get the maximum ear protection I can on indoor range, because I'll tell you, my hearing, I'm, I'm realizing it, it, all the time. It's it's a valuable uh, thing that we have that once we lose it, we don't get it back, right? So I'm doing everything I can these days to protect my hear, hearing. Uh, decibels are super easy. You get them. You boil some hot water uh, in ceramic mugs. Drop the decibels in the boiling water. Five minutes later, pull them out. Let them cool for 30 seconds. And then you stick them in your ear and you stick push them into the ear cavity there, the concha as it's called, and you just let them sit there for another five minutes and they mold perfectly to the shape of your ear, which is awesome, all right? Because they're very secure, they stay put, and they also give you a little extra hearing protection because they're filling all of that space nearly perfectly. So both the inner and kind of outer part of the ear. Really, really awesome product. We were honored to be able to partner with decibels in our most recent guardian nation members gearbox and i think it's a fabulous product that you know i got my hands on and was able to test before we actually even shipped our the first ones out and used these very ones that you see here at the area two uspsa championship uh, just a few weeks uh, almost a month ago now and uh, very much enjoyed uh, having them and wearing them very comfortable to wear. You can wear them all day long and not be uncomfortable. And that's also really, really key. Right on, man. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, by the way, folks, you can pick up decibels. We have this product listed for sale in our store now, too, at concealedcarry.com. I should have mentioned that. That is correct. Just mm-hmm. as of today. Yep. As of today. <laughs> all right. So, uh, I decided to go with this, not because, but 
Sort of, because that last article we did, we talked about the Maglula, um, uh, the company uh, that beat the patent infringement uh, case with uh, with Amazon. So, um, or the the counterfeit case. Um, so, mm-hmm. I've got a Maglula Uplula. And if you're not familiar with this thing, you probably want to grab one. Those of you who know what this is, those know that it's an awesome device. Um, if you're loading a lot of magazines um, and you want to cut down the time this little device helps tremendously um, especially if you know you're taking class and you're it's a high volume shooting class and there you know you want to get back up on the line and there's not a lot of time in between uh, you get back to the table you load up you know you're filling up your mags um, this this can can help dramatically um, if you're if you have diminished hand strength or arthritis or something. Um, sometimes getting those last rounds in the magazine can be difficult. Um, so especially with those you know micro compact and things like that, once that spring gets compressed in the magazine, this helps uh, tremendously. Uh, it's a weird name. Uh, the company is Maglula. This is the Uplula, and. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And it's not super expensive. Um, it's more expensive than some of the other ones, but I have tried other, um, magazine loading devices and things. And this one is the most intuitive. It's the easiest to operate. Um, and you know, I, I bring it out to all my classes and when somebody's having difficulty loading or filling magazines, I give them this and they're like, Oh, great. You know, they can start, um, filling their magazines and they feel happy. And if you live in an area that it gets cold and you still shoot, this helps when your fingers are frozen and you're trying to fill your magazines. Oh yeah. This is like the best thing ever because you can actually get the mag, the, the rounds in the magazines. Um, and you don't have to feel, you know, cause your fingers are numb. Yep. So, um, yep, 100% dude. Yeah. That was a, that's a huge one. And I'm in Ohio. It's already that, time of the year and uh, i was out there trying to fill magazines and my hands were getting numb and that thing was great so yeah, yeah. and that's on the website too you can get that absolutely yeah. absolutely so and they're legit they're the real ones oh yeah i mean they last <laughs> forever the problem is is they end up getting you know stolen by your buddies and friends and family that's why i got this dummy cord <laughs> this big lanyard so nobody kind of accidentally finds it in their bag so yeah you know i just spent this last weekend going through a modern semi project rds instructor course uh you know went through close to a thousand rounds of ammo in two days uh you can't go through you know that that kind of ammo and not have i mean you can but it's just, it just makes for a much more enjoyable experience to reload your mags with something like the Maglula Uplula. I mean, I'm sitting there, you know, doing my thing. And I tell you, I've, I've got the, it down to a science, you know, it's like, cha-ching, 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 you know, dropping those rounds in. And next to me on the line is somebody else that's doing things manually, old school way. And it's like, hey, that's cool, bro. You can, you know, load all your mags this weekend, you know, manually like that. And like your thumbs are tough and all like, good for you. But like, at the very least, it's just faster. So, but for a lot of people, it's a, it's a, a hand strength, uh, and wear and tear on the fingers issue. So anyway, uh, good, good stuff, man. Good review. And yeah, so check them out. Decibels and Maglula products on the concealcarry.com store. So last thing to do before we sign out of here is the weekly giveaway winner announcement. Uh, we're giving away this week at Pitbull Tactical Magazine Carrier. Uh, we'll, give the out the winner's name here momentarily 
But uh, the next product next week is a free MCF Spark flashlight from ReadyUp Gear. Um, MCF stands for Modular Compact Flashlight. It is, in fact, modular. It is compact. It is a flashlight. <laughs> it is bright. And it is very small in size. So, guys, next week, you're going to want to make sure you're signed up for the giveaway at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Absolutely. Yep. So... Uh, who is our winner of the magazine carrier, though? The winner, and I don't know if you're listening, but Chad B., you're the winner. You want a Pitbull Tactical magazine carrier. Awesome. Congratulations, Chad. So, yeah, we'll get that out to you as soon as uh, we get a confirmation back from you and get your shipping address and all that. Uh, again, folks, uh, sorry if you didn't win this week's prize, but next week we're giving away like a $50 product the MCF Spark flashlight, great little flashlight, and go sign up concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. With that, we're going to let you go because we're kind of over time. We're supposed to only do like an hour episode, but it's been like an hour and 10 minutes. So it is <laughs> what it is. We thank you for being uh, loyal listeners and followers of ours of this podcast and for making it possible to do what we love to do, which is hopefully bring to you the best information, education, and other awesome stuff from the Concealed Carry Podcast. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.